Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather each Sunday morning at 10.30 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church as Pastor Joel preaches from Isaiah chapter 6 with a message entitled, Answering the Call. If you have a Bible, you can open it to Isaiah 6 or five, page 535 in your pew Bibles, if you're looking for that, 535, Isaiah 6 and verse 8, Isaiah 6 and verse 8. Uh, we just finished Samuel, and next week we're going to start a whole new series that I'm so excited about. It'll be the first time I preach through Genesis uh, ever as a pastor, and Genesis is actually one of my, I mean, if you know me, it's one of my all-time favorite books. Uh, so I'm super looking forward to uh, yeah, that and a couple other books too, but <laughs> Genesis is one of them. Uh, and so this, this week, really, um, it's a standalone sermon, but I'm really hoping to launch us off into this next year. Um, with, uh, I think, a critical scene. You probably all have read it before if you've been around the church at all. And, but this is, it shaped my life, and I'm hoping it'll shape all of our lives this next year. Uh, I want to begin and read from Isaiah 6, chapter 6, and verse 8. Isaiah 6, 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. The voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah's response, here I am, send me. Uh, let's pause and pray one more time. Lord, as we approach your text that was written so long ago, but it was written for us today. Lord, as we approach a new year, Lord, would you open our ears so that we could hear you calling us? Or would you open our eyes so that we would see the vision of who you are and what you're doing in the world around us? And Lord, would it soften our hearts so that we'd love and understand you better even today? And so as we come to the text, Lord, I pray that we um, would rightly come to really holy ground as we'll hear you speaking to each of us today. So give us um, pause in this moment. Give us calm hearts and peace over these next few moments as we consider your words today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here I am. Send me. Uh, my freshman year in college, uh, I was undecided in my major. I was going to Augusta State University. Uh, undecided in your major, first year, not that big a deal because you take all your core classes, so it's not that big a deal. Uh, the unfortunate thing was, um, so State University, there's a lot of students there, and if you were undecided, you, you registered for classes last, which meant that for two uh, trimesters, I registered for class last, which meant I had the worst schedule that you can imagine. I had like a seven o'clock humanities class where they turned the lights off and showed us like contraposto statues, and I mean, I was out, I was sleeping. Uh, and then I had an eight o'clock at night calculus class, and I forget some class in the morning. So I was back, it was horrible. Uh, and, and so this, my second trimester, I'm, I'm thinking, man, I gotta, I gotta decide what I'm gonna do in my career. What, what major I'm going to take in college, which for me equated, what am I going to do with my life? So for a whole trimester, I'm, I'm like going, what am I going to do with my life? So I'm asking people, what do you think I would, what do you think I should do with my, like, I didn't ask that same question. What, what major should I do? Like, what, what should I do? And within one week, three people came back to me and, you know, I asked, well, what do you like to do? What do you do? They said, you'd be a great missionary. I thought, Nope. <laughs> That's not what I'm looking for. My, my grandparents were actually missionaries in Liberia, West Africa. So my mom grew up the first 16 years of her life in Liberia, and I heard all these horror, horror stories of uh, the seven-foot snakes. Not seven foot long, but they bite you. You go seven foot, and you die. Uh, diseases, this, 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 the scary things. And I'm thinking, I don't want that. That doesn't sound fun at all. Uh, and yet, 
during that time, when I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life, that, that same little thing kept buzzing. You'd be a great missionary. You'd be a great missionary. And I just kept going, no way. I don't want to. I'll do anything but that, Lord. I don't want to do that. Well, it was actually a couple months of me struggling with the Lord back and forth uh, before I was finally in my car on my way to work uh, selling women's shoes at uh, Dillard's department store in Augusta, Georgia, underneath the overpass. And I'm, I'm so, like, fighting against it. I'm literally, like, shaking. And I'm thinking, this is insane. I don't even know if he's calling me to that or not. It was simply the fact that I didn't want to hear, I didn't want to listen. And so at that moment, I told the Lord, okay, this is, this is crazy. Uh, I was 18 years old, and I said, okay, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. I basically said, here I am, Lord. Send me. Now, if I would have told you my resume as an 18-year-old, I don't know anyone who would have chosen me. Uh, I had no training, no experience. Uh, some of the churches that I'd been to weren't all that great, so I didn't really have much of a background or upbringing. So here I am, like, struggling against it, when really the, the truth is, uh, if you were looking at me, you wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, I would want to choose him. Uh, but the Lord was. He, was. he was calling me in my life. Will, will, you, will you follow me? Will you listen to me calling? Who, who, will, who, who will I send? Who, who will go for us? Well, I'm here. Send me. Well, God's always calling. We'll, we'll see that this morning. But we're not always listening, actually. God's always inviting people into the mission with him, to partner with him in what he is doing in this world, but we don't always hear that call. And just like God was calling me uh, during that time in college, he was calling me to listen to his voice. He was going to be calling Isaiah this morning in Isaiah 6. And we'll actually see that he's actually calling you this morning too. He's calling each one of you. And you might be thinking, well, if the Lord was calling me, that'd be great. I'd love to like, hear his voice, and then I could definitely answer. I would definitely uh, call. But I've never heard the voice of the Lord. I, I, I don't even know what he would want me to do. Uh, so I would say, okay, Lord, what do you even want me to do? I don't hear you talking to me. How do I even know if God is, is calling? Well, we're going to look back at our text today in Isaiah 6. And we're going to see an example of the Lord calling a man uh, named Isaiah, who's a prophet. Uh, he, as well, doesn't hear at first. But then something radically changes in his life, and his ears are opened, and he hears. And then he answers the call of the Lord. And at the end of the sermon, I, I hope you'll be able to say, yes, that's me. Here I am, send me as well. Well, we're going to consider Isaiah 6 in two, in two sections. So here's kind of our outline today, two sections. Uh, the first part of it's going to be what Isaiah sees. Uh, and it'll all be descriptions of his eyes and, and what he sees. The second part of uh, the sermon, Isaiah 6, the last part of it is, is then what he hears. So the first part's what he sees. The second part is what he hears. So if you have a Bible, Isaiah 6, starting in verse 1. Isaiah 6 and verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died. Stop right there. <laughs> Because for us, that doesn't really mean much. But for the readers of this, first-time readers of this would be like, oh, okay, yeah, I know what he's talking about. This is not a normal way to start or to mark time in the Bible, the year someone died. Actually, uh, Uzziah's son, Jotham, he, he began to reign that year. And so typically, in biblical patterns, it would be in the first year of the reign of Jotham, this happened. Or in the fifth year of King so-and-so, this happened. You don't mark it by the death of someone. That's odd. But in our story, uh, we're supposed to have the end of our lives in mind as we're going to walk through this story. Because the end of Uzziah's life was very significant and why it's placed here. Uzziah, he was a pretty good king, fairly good king, but he got really proud. Uh, he got really proud and decided, oh, you know, I can do what all these priests do. So he takes some incense and goes, I'm going to burn some incense in the tabernacle, in the temple. Uh, and all his advisors and priests said, no, 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 don't do that. that. That's a wicked thing. Do not 
do that. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. This is, this is who I am. I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to charge in. So he goes in the temple burning this incense, and, and the priests along the way are going, don't do this. What are you doing? Don't do this. And, and as he's doing it, the Lord strikes him with leprosy, and it's soon after that that he dies. In the tabernacle, in the presence of the Lord, he was in an unworthy way, in a prideful way, and the Lord strikes him and he dies. And, and, and so somehow, uh, as we come to this section of Isaiah, we're supposed to have that story in the back of our minds. Coming to the Lord in an unworthy way, that's a very scary thing. And in fact, we all come to the end of life. How do we want our lives to be lived up until that point? We, we start with the end in mind. I, I'm sure Isaiah does, because this is why he mentions it here. Well, with that in mind, let's, let's go on. Isaiah 6.1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each with six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sins atoned for. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah finds himself in, in the very temple that Uzziah had gone into in an unworthy manner. And he's in this temple and he sees two things. He says, I saw the Lord, but then the description, in very much like prophetic manner, I saw the Lord, but then he describes actually things above the throne and things below the throne. Did you notice that? He doesn't actually describe the Lord, how could you? But he describes the things above the throne and below the throne. Above the throne, he sees these seraphim. Uh, seraphim are not like, uh, don't think chubby little uh, angels playing harps. These are not seraphim. Uh, seraphim literally means burning ones. These are like flaming dragon flying things above there. Freaky to look at. These would, these would scare you. And these things have six wings and they're covering their face and their feet and they're flying and their voice is calling. They're calling to one another. And I have no idea what that would be like. But can you imagine flaming ones, these fiery ones, calling in the presence of a holy God and they're saying, holy, holy, holy. And as he's watching what's going on above the throne, he's feeling like crowded because the train of the robe of the one that's sitting on the throne is like filling the whole space. And so he's like, man, I'm, I'm a goner. This, this, isn't, this, is no, this is no good. And below the throne, he, this is what he sees. He sees the shaking of the foundations. So things are just shaking because of the voice of uh, the one calling or it's actually it's a um, it's a participle if you're a good English person a participle is a verbal noun which means it's describing a noun by the way of what it's doing uh, so it's the the threshold is shaking because of the calling one there's someone calling and the voice is shaking the whole foundation of the earth which made me wonder when I read it, well, what's he saying? What's this calling one saying? But before we even get there, there's the smoke that fills the tabernacle, and this all causes Isaiah to stop and reflect on his life. Who, who, who am I to stand before a holy God? And he says, I'm toast. Not literally, but I, 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 am, I, am, I am not worthy to be here. I have unclean lips. What I've said, what I've communicated is evil. I put people down. I've lied. Uh, 
what's come out of my lips is unclean. Well, in all this, Isaiah gets this much bigger picture than just what he wants or his comfort or his life. He gets a picture of the God of all creation there, and he's feeling the guilt and uh, I'm not worthy of it. And then during that thing, one of these seraphims, these burning ones, goes over and grabs a coal from the altar and touches his mouth. It says, your sins are atoned for. Guilt's gone. I've made a way for you to, to be right here in the presence of the Lord. And in that moment, as he's seeing all this, uh, we'll see that his ears are opened. He can hear. He can hear with the calling one whose voice is actually shaking the foundations of the temple, what he's saying. Let's continue on. Isaiah 6, 8. This is what Isaiah hears. It says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Uh, Send me. And he said, go and say to this people. I say, you've seen the vision of who I am. Your ears are now open. You can hear. And now I want you to speak. And here's what you're supposed to say. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And I said, uh, how long, O Lord? He said, until the cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are, are many in the midst of the land and though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. See, the Lord had been calling this whole time. He says, who, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Whom, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And, and the threshold is, is shaking, but Isaiah, he's just seeing this vision, and he doesn't, he doesn't even know what this voice is saying until the guilt is removed, and then he can hear, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And so Isaiah responds, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> send me. Uh, the voice didn't say, uh, who is the most qualified and who has the most education? Uh, the voice didn't say, uh, who needs to go back to school or who needs to be smarter? He said, who, who, who's there? Who's available? Who, who, will I, who shall I send? Who will go? And he says, go and then say this, this message. And he's actually saying the very message that, of what he couldn't hear before, but now he can hear because the Lord has changed him. His guilt is taken away. His sins are atoned for. And so then he's supposed to go out to a world that can't see, can't hear, can't understand. Unless they can see and can hear and can understand. Unless the Lord does something in their, their life. So then Isaiah is like this tool that's going to be going out as a messenger. And basically what he's telling Isaiah, though, and that, and that whole thing, if you get it or not, is this. Isaiah, I have a calling for your life. Don't look at the results. You just go. You be faithful. You be available. Uh, don't count uh, how many uh, people there are. Don't uh, count anything other than am I following the voice of the Lord. The Lord's calling was for someone who was available, someone who would be obedient, and someone who would be faithful. And Isaiah fit that. Here I am. Send me. Um, that calling is going out all the time to us. We don't always hear, and we're not always listening. Uh, three years ago, at this exact time, I remember that December very well, uh, because it was before we came here. And I think the Lord was beginning to call us uh, and me and my family and many of you, actually, uh, that I've known. There was the process. The Lord was, like, calling us. But we, we thought, I don't know. Am I just, is it something I ate? Am I not, like, 
Is this really God's calling? How, do, how am I going to how am I going to know? Uh, he, didn't, he didn't tell me in a dream. He didn't tell in an audible voice, Joel, now you shall go to Hollyview. Like, and so we're praying for like two months. Dedicated prayer. Not, not many people know about it. And this whole time, it's like, it, it's like I was hearing the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, trying to figure out the voice of the Lord and the Lord's calling on your life, it sometimes is complicated, and I think you actually need community around you uh, in that. So, so uh, there was a list of people that I went and had coffee with and said, okay, here's, here's the thing. Help me f- figure this out. Uh, and I remember one of the pastors uh, in our area, actually Keith Evans, I don't know if any of you know him, super great guy. Uh, I sat down with him and I laid it out. Here are the plans. I could do this and this long thing, or I could do this and this long thing, and maybe there's other options too, but what are the plans? And, and I remember Keith, he just, he just sat there, and he says, you're, you're a super humble, great guy. But he's like, I think you're asking the wrong question. Uh, it's not which plan it is. It, it, what's your next step? What's the next step the Lord is asking you to take? Just the next step. He's calling you to step in something, not have it all figured out, not have a whole plan, but what's the next step that he wants you to take? No matter what the results are, no matter even how like, it makes you feel, what's the next step? I could look back when I was 18 in that car in Augusta, Georgia, and go, here I am, Lord, send me. I said yes to the Lord's next step. I didn't say Yes to going to, well, now I'm going to be a missionary, go to Czech and uh, Slovenia and all over Eastern Europe, and I'm going to marry a woman from uh, Portland, like Troutdale, Oregon, and I'm going to, I didn't say yes to all that stuff. I didn't know. But what I did, I said yes to the next step, which actually led on this journey, because then the Lord was calling me to this next step and the next step and the next step. There's a Chinese uh, phrase, you might have heard it before, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So the question is, for all of us, as we face another year, what's the next step the Lord is asking you to take? And this, and this question, I, I think it's uh, impactful for all of us because it doesn't matter where you are in your journey with the Lord or where you are in your life, if you're uh, a kid going to school or if you're a retired grandparent, it's the same question for all of us. The Lord's calling What's the next step that he's asking you to take? And I want to I want to bring it in two two sections, and then uh, I want to relate it to the life of the church here and you, and, and what that means uh, for that. I, I want to ask you what the next step of uh, for you is in faith and in action. What's your next step in faith and in action? The first one. What's the next step of faith? Now, wherever you're at in your journey with the Lord, you have not arrived yet. I remember my, my grandpa, who was seminary trained, missionary, all over things. I asked him questions, and he was like, oh, yeah, those are great questions to wrestle with. And I'm, and I'm thinking, he's so old. Surely he's got it all figured out. Uh, but there's, there's this journey that the Lord wants all of us to take on our, on our faith journey of knowing the Lord. And so wherever you're at this morning, there's something that the Lord is calling you to this next year. I can say it with confidence. He's calling you to take a next step in your faith. Now, I don't know what that means exactly. Uh, I think there's several things it could mean, and I want to give you a, a few of those. Um, if you're just checking it out, you're not quite sure about uh, who the Lord is and where it's at. You know you've led here, but you're like, I'm just not sure. Your next step of faith might be just starting to read the Bible. It might be just simple prayers. Lord, show me yourself. That's it. Did Lord, just show me yourself. Read the Bible. It, it might be actually asking questions to somebody. Or discovering it more. This has internal uh, consequences. So figuring out what you think about the Lord, if, if anything else you're going to do this year, that should be it. So take that next step. You don't need to, you don't need to go, oh yeah, I'm going to give my whole life to Christ and become a missionary. No, that's not it. Your next step is, who are you, Lord, and how can I figure that out? For others of us, we might be comfortable in our faith, and we need to be challenged when we be around other people. So I'm going to tell you, uh, 
Christine talked about it. There's a women's Bible study that's starting uh, Tuesday night. It's a plurality of women who get together and share and grow, and it's a safe place to be, and that might be another place where you need to be involved uh, in that. Men, we have a men's Bible study at 6.30 in the morning on Tuesday. I know it's early. Uh, 6.30 on Tuesday mornings. and it's not, you, the first time you come, it won't be like, wow, my life has completely changed. But it's the next step. It's like one more brick in, in the house. Uh, there's a small group that's happening. Uh, the Johnsons are leading that. Um, there are so many things you could do. You could grab a book and read it with somebody. Uh, something, but the Lord's asking, what's the next step for you? Um, if you have a bulletin, hopefully you grabbed one, there is a, a half sheet of paper in there. And I'd love for you to open it up to the side that says January Sunday morning events. Here's just some practical things that we're kind of offering of like, hey, let's get this year started being intentional to listen to the call of the Lord and take a next step forward. Um, Let me just give you some, here's some other options we can do as well. Uh, Next Sunday, we have the executive director for the NAB, the North American Baptist, the conference that we're a part of. It's a network of churches uh, that come together. It's a very biblical model to not be all alone, to be a network of churches. We have the executive director coming next week. I don't know why he chose to come here. Out of the like almost 500 churches in the NAB, uh, we said, hey, we'd love to get to know somebody. He said, well, I'll come. Uh, So we have the executive director of the NAB coming next week. Uh, At 9.30, we'll have some coffee time downstairs, just a chance to get to know him. It means we're we're part of something bigger than just Hollyview, is really what it means. And how can we encourage and bless him and also, what can we learn from him as well? He'll be speaking a little bit uh, in the service as well, and we'll uh, hang around afterwards and talk to him as well. So if you want to come next week, 9.30. Um, after that, the 16th and the 23rd, we're going to do something called Hollyview 101, and it's just the basics of what, what's it mean to be a member, what's it mean to belong here to Hollyview? Uh, what are the, what's the vision, the mission, the core value? Like, how does it function? And it's really basically a chance to just start getting to know some people. Uh, and seeing what that is. Uh, because maybe one of your next steps is maybe you've been hopping around churches or you're kind of figuring out or you, you kind of come here for a little bit. Maybe your next step is, I need to get plugged in. I need to make this church my home for however long the Lord allows it. And, and you just need to take that next step. I'm going, okay, I'm going to see what, what's, what's going to go on here. I'm just jumping in. Uh, the next thing, uh, so that'll be the 16th and 23rd. It's really two weeks, but if you come to just one of them, that's fine too. And we can always grab coffee. Uh, it's just an opportunity. We're presenting a platter of like, here's some next steps for you. Uh, January 30th, we're going to do a baptism class. We're going to offer it if anyone is interested. Uh, I love baptism. It's one of my favorite things, and to talk people through the biblical theology of baptism, where it came from page one of the Bible, because it all goes back to Genesis, all the way through, and the meaning of baptism, and oh, it's just, it's powerful. So even if you've been baptized and you want to you hear a little bit of that, come on January 30th as well. After that, we're, we're talking about maybe some Sunday school classes uh, for, for periods of time, not like ongoing all the time, but um, uh, just places and things for us to get connected and to grow in our relationship with Christ and with each other. Well, uh, so that's one question. What's your next step of faith? What's the Lord want you to grow in this next year and knowing him and being in community? And then the next one is, what's your next step of action? Your next step of action. What, what is it that, that it's not just a, a cognitive faith uh, thing. This, this faith then rolls over into how we uh, act and serve. Um, so if you flip your page over, that half sheet, on the other side, you'll see this very basic description. Uh, so Hollyview Church, we're a worshiping community of Jesus followers. Uh, there's lots of worshiping community of Jesus followers around here. Uh, what makes us a little bit um, unique, not even unique because we're all doing the same kind of thing, uh, what kind of identifies us is we... we organize ourselves around four different principles or identities of who we are in Christ. Uh, You'll see them at the top. Covenant, community, serving, and mission. Those all, uh, we can talk more about those. They all come from who God calls us as a community of Jesus followers. Um, And we believe that if you belong here, if Hollyview Church is your home, you'll grow in Christ when you're involved in four things. Uh, One, making gathering to worship each, each Sunday a priority. 
we think these rhythms of life, it's not just hopefully you get a good message and it gets good worship, but then also you get to in, encourage and challenge other people as well. That, that's just a part of life. To be part of a smaller group, kind of what we talked about. Uh, find an area to serve and then be on mission. We're, we're not just about us. We're about actually our community and our world around us living on mission. Well, finding an area to serve. Uh, this can be huge and this can be very tiny, but I think uh, just like our body is, we, all we need all of our members to be plugged in and doing something. Uh, this is not a lifetime commitment. Uh, we really kind of go through a rhythm here where every fallish time we go, hey, where's the Lord calling you next year? Because we're, we're just taking steps. Well, this year I think I'm going to be part of this. And maybe next year the Lord says, yeah, keep doing that. Or maybe he says, now I want you to go over to this way. It's just the next step. So here's the other thing. We're a small church, uh, and I don't know if you've noticed, this. we're not a consumer church. Uh, we need everybody here. We're, we're like, when we say we're a family, we really are. Uh, because we need everyone to come and chip in and, and help. Uh, so, so if you are here, if this is your church home, we'd love for you to take the next step of like ac action, what you want to do. Let me read through some of the things that you can get involved in. Uh, they're just the, the list under the check the areas you would like to serve in. Uh, none of these are my, this is my lifetime commitment and I'm doing this for the next 50 years. We're not saying that at all. It even could be like I'm in it for three months and boy, the Lord's, that's not where I'm supposed to be and the Lord's calling me to here. So great, then do that. Um, some of these are by need based and so it's not every week. We're not asking you to do any of these every week. Um, they're on teams and rotations so that you might be scheduled for something and then two months goes by and you're not. But part of it is we want to connect you to people that are serving and like-minded as well. So that's the encouragement and relationship part of it as well. Okay, so let me go through. So greeter or hospitality at the very beginning. That's a very simple one, but one of the most important ministries. Uh, Curtis is out there smiling and shaking people's hand. We have people that join in with Curtis to do that same thing. When people come into the door, for some of us, this is great. We love coming here. For other people, this is a huge first step to come into a bunch of Christian holy people and they know their life's messed up and we need somebody to be at the door to go, we're kind of all finding our way. Why don't you come in with us? Uh, that hospitality ministry, we're, that's going to keep ship, uh, shaping this next year as well. Uh, worship, uh, as you know here, there are different groups that come up. If you have a musical talent or you sing or uh, any of that, talk to Caleb or we'll write that down and we'll We'll connect you with Caleb. Audiovisual, very easy. Uh, right now, Justin and Elijah are back there, but if you want to learn the sound, Justin's, he's a master at it, but he'd love to teach you, and you'll be on a rotation, so it's maybe once every month or once every two months. Uh, the PowerPoint things, it's pretty, pretty easy to just follow along. You have to be engaged a little bit, but not too much, and that's on a team as well. Uh, downstairs, we have our seeds and our sprouts, which is our, our children and our nursery, uh, little ones. And here's, uh, this is just like, personally, the churches that I've been in, the ones that I know that are healthy, they're the ones that aren't going, boy, we need somebody to serve down there. Will anyone serve? When, when I feel that are the youngest, the most vulnerable, the most needy people, the most opportunity we have is with our young people. Uh, and, and a church that gets that and goes, yeah, I want to know our young people because I want to invest in them. I, I think that's really healthy. Uh, so seeds and sprouts, it's on a rotation. Uh, if, you're, if you check one of those off, you have to do a background check. It's super easy. We'll get, it, we'll get you through that. That's not a big deal. And then you're just on a rotation, maybe once every two months uh, down there. And then you can even go, hey, I'd like to do it with my friend. And so you're talking with the kids, and you're also getting to hang out with your, like your friend. Uh, seeds and sprouts. That's, so all of those, greeter, worship, audiovisual, seeds and sprouts, they're all on a rotation. So it's like maybe once every month or once every two months. Uh, the youth, uh, we have a great group of young people here. And if you want to get plugged in and disciple them, or even come and help out with snacks or uh, driving on places or something like that, mark that down. Uh, facilities and grounds, we have a lot of facilities, a lot of grounds here. Uh, and this isn't, um, we want you to be working alongside somebody like uh, Gary. Uh, in the back. I, I, want my, I want my son to be next to Gary because, yeah, they might be doing stuff, but more than that, my son's getting to know Gary better. Um, and so that's really facilities and grounds, any of those things. 
come help mow the grass one time a summer or something. It's not a big deal, but it's connecting uh, with other people. Uh, kitchens downstairs, that's kind of just needs-based. Uh, and it, it probably an email will go out, hey, would anyone want to help out? We have a potluck coming up. Uh, want to help in the kitchen, get some drinks together. Uh, decor, next Saturday, the decor team is going to be taking uh, most of the Christmas stuff down, but leaving winter stuff up. So if you know the difference between Christmas and winter, <laughs> you might be along on the decor team. Uh, but that's, again, that's like maybe three or four times a year where you're just decorating and you're around other women and there's music and drinks and, yes? What's that? Oh, well, there's no men yet, but they could be. You can be, the, the team now is mostly women, although I've done some grunt labor on it, so. But anyway, you can be a man and be there, that's totally fine. Uh, the prayer ministry, moving right along. <laughs> the prayer ministry, uh, Jody heads that up, and we get prayer requests in, and then we just send them out uh, to people, and then we just, it, it'll come on your phone, you'll be part of a group text. If you don't have the app, uh, let us know, and we'll get you that. Joby right here. If you don't have the app or, and figure out the calendar and all that stuff, come see Joby, he'll get you hooked up. Uh, prayers on that, and he'll just come in, it's just a prayer request. Hey, someone's in the hospital and needs some prayer right now. And then that goes out to all the people, and then all of them just pray. It's, it's really cool. Um, so if you want to be part of that prayer team, if you've been stuck at home all week, you can be part of that prayer team. Uh, that's super important. Especially events. We have things like coming up um, in February, we have a potluck. Then we're going to do a game night later on. We'll do an Easter breakfast. Uh, so if you'd like to be part of that special event, not all of them, but some of them, uh, be part of that team. The local outreach team is actually the team that approves grants. Uh, so if you have ministries that you're involved in that are outside of this church and you're like, well, they could use some support or money, we have grants here. And we'll talk more about that, but that, keep that in mind. We have grants and we have a team that oversees those grants so that they're um, approved or all of them have been approved because they're people in the church. But they've kind of approved the, the budget of that. Global Outreach is the same thing. Uh, Ryan Glover's heading that up. And we want to even expand that even more this year so you can be part of the team that kind of oversees uh, all of our global outreach. We're going to have a church retreat this year for the first time. Uh, that'll be in June. It's like a Friday to Sunday, the first Friday to Sunday in June. And we need a team of people that will help organize and communicate and get all that stuff together. So if you'd like to be part of the church retreat team, I'd love it. Uh, we're going to go down to Silverton Christian Renewal Center. Uh, they have places for about 120, 140 people. Uh, and so we'll, have a, we'll spend the whole week there. So mark that off on your calendars too, June 2nd through 5th or something like that. Um, and, then the, uh, and then the other one, right there is other. And that other could actually be anything that you are like, boy, I'd love to help out with. Let me just give you an example. Someone was like, man, I really needed the pencil to be sharpened because I was going to take notes and my pencil wasn't sharpened. Somebody's got to sharpen a pencil. It seems small, right? But if someone's like, boy, I can do that, and someone sharpens all the pencils, and you come and you you want to write something down and your pencil is sharpened, know that somebody from the church has served you in that way to say, hey, I want you to have that pencil. It seems small, right? But if all of us can kind of think even in those things, like I just want to blow that thing off, or I just, I, this is my little piece that I want to do, and then we come together as a, as a body, as a family, uh, I think the Lord's really, um, he's really going to bless us in that. Um, so down at the bottom, if you're interested in those, and this is actually just beginning the conversation. So this isn't like a sales pitch, like you don't buy now, sales going away. This, this is not it at all. Uh, but if you come and you're like, oh yeah, I know where I want to serve. I know where the Lord's calling me. And you mark those down. Just put your name and your date and your email. And then put it in the offering basket. That's kind of your gift uh, to the Lord. Uh, you do not have to be ready for these today at all. And, and in fact, if you didn't come in going, yeah, I really want to serve in this area, I would say, just wait. Uh, Take it home, put this in your Bible, and every time you see it, just pray. Lord, where are you calling me? Where, where do you, what do you want me to be involved in? And then when you're ready, come, put it in the offering uh, basket, and we'll get you hooked up and connected to those things. So you might be looking at all this and going, you know what, I don't want to do any of that. That's not me. I'm comfortable where I'm at. 
Lord, I, I, know what, I know the plans that I have for my life. Would you be willing to say, here I am, send me. Um, as a church, I just want to take it a little bit step higher. As a church, as leadership, this is something we've been wrestling with. As a church, what are our next steps of faith and action? Uh, we've been talking about it as an elder group uh, the last couple months, uh, and I've been discussing the ideas of where the Lord, we think, is taking us this next season, or at least this next step, uh, is in deeper community and discipleship with one another. Uh, that, that's why kind of this message, uh, because as people have been coming, and it's been such a scattered and divis- divisive year of, or two years of COVID, we've all felt fractured, and now it's like, boy, we really need to come together, uh, because together is where we grow and learn, where we can glorify the Lord. So the elders have really said, boy, we really need to, to see this next step. Let's, let's be praying about what it means to be in deeper community and discipleship with each other. Uh, the, the next step in that uh, is actually a big step for our church and a big step for me uh, as well. Uh, this, this all came out of uh, also seeing just the blessings the Lord's given this church. Uh, the view, the place we have here is just incredible. The Lord just continually brings like visitors here and new people here. And we feel the responsibility that, okay, Lord, what are we supposed to do with all this? Uh, one of the things, after 45 years of leasing the five and a half acres up there, that's ours, to Bob Duncan, the nursery owner, uh, that came back to us last January. Uh, it's been sitting there. And some of, some of the burden or the opportunity in my heart has been like, boy, if, if we wait 10 years and the Lord comes back and he's, he says, hey, how, how was the place that I gave you? We said, oh, it's great. We, we still got that five acres there. He said, what, do you, what did you do with it? It's still there. We didn't, we didn't sell it. And he was like, it would have been better if you sold it if you didn't do anything with it. Uh, I feel like there's opportunities we have here to be this uh, the city on a hill, a light for our community around us. Uh, more and more people come and walk their dogs here. And I've gotten a chance. I just go out as a pastor and go, hey, I just love to meet people. This is great. Please and just enjoy all this stuff. This is, this is, this is for you. Uh, and, and to be able to, to do something with that property up there uh, that captures it for the glory of the Lord better, I, I think is important. Uh, to bring all these people in and get them connected in different ways and, and discipleship and community is important. And, but I also know I'm only one person. So though I have that burden and that desire, I don't think the Lord has set it up that it's just one person that organizes and does everything. Uh, we have a great staff and group here, great ministry leaders, but if we want to take the next step forward, I think we need to bring somebody else on staff here. And so we've been talking through that. It was actually in the budget to allow room for that. We've talked to the elders about it, and they're enthusiastic for it. We've talked to the deacons about it, and they're enthusiastic. Uh, and so this month we'll be bringing on Joby uh, as a part-time uh, worker a couple days a week to do just that. We have a job description called advanced development. Now, advanced development is not how big and nice can we get this place. Advanced development means how can we take the next step forward in discipling and calling people in uh, as well as using the gifts that God has given us here in, in a very uh, fruitful way. Um, and so we have even coined a term that you'll be hearing. Uh, Joby is going to be working on projects, things around the building, but it's always to invite people into that and this discipleship thing. So any of the projects that we see, like, oh, when's that going to happen? We want to we go at the speed of discipleship. So you're going to hear that term, the speed of discipleship. Uh, if in the next five years, and I'm not saying we don't, I'm, I can't tell five years from now, but if we had a multi-million dollar gymnasium up there in five years, and yet we've ruined people's lives, and we've divided, and we've, I would say it's a complete failure. If we have just a path up there, and yet we've discipled a ton of people, I'm going to say it's a success. We have to move at the speed of discipleship. It's about people. Well, Joby... If you don't know him, if you do know him, he's, he's great. You know Joby. I wanted to say a few things about him. It, it is uh, scary as a church to bring on another person. Um, uh, I'm actually giving a lot of, like, I'm not going to have as much say in some things, which I think is actually great. But here's what I know about Joby. Joby loves his wife. Joby loves his family. Uh, he is 
a dad that is discipling his kids and loves them. He is a man over the last three years that without him, I don't know if I would still be here or if I would be here in the first place. Uh, Joby has volunteered more hours here and spent more of his heart equity into this place um, than almost anybody I know, I think. I could probably say that. So, so it's, it's not that he's... Uh, it's not that he's just like, oh, I'm just looking for a little thing. This is where his heart's at and, and for growing the church. Um, and, and really, Joby, is he could do a lot of stuff with his life, uh, but he's at the point where he's like, here I am, Lord. Would you use me? And I think as the leadership of the church and even us as a congregation as we voted to approve the budget, we go, yep, here's our next step. And we don't know what that's going to mean and... 15 years, but we know what the next step is and the next step this year. So I'm really excited uh, to have Joby come on. We're still working through details of all that stuff, but he has a job description, and we actually, we actually haven't officially hired him, but this is a, it's a big step uh, for us as a church, for you as a family uh, as well. So I'm, I'm really excited. I'm excited to see what, what the next step is going to be after that. Well, where, uh, that's a big thing. Well, where is God calling you? What's your next step in faith and action this morning? And, and I, I think both those really come down to, would you be willing to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Uh, Isaiah in that throne room in the temple, he could have thought, he could have heard, uh, whom shall I send and who will go for us? He could have thought, well, not me. I'm not good enough. Well, maybe if I just go get a little more experience, if I just do this or this, then I'll be ready. But that's not what he said. He said, here, here I am, Lord, send me. And I think if he would have not answered the Lord's call at that moment, I think Isaiah would have gotten to the end of his life and felt regret. I missed it. I, 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 didn't, I didn't choose the right path, because the right path is always following the call of the Lord in your life, no matter where that takes you and how even uh, winding that is sometimes. And that's the, that's the place we're, we're reached this morning. Uh, we have a decision, not just today, but for every day. Uh, are we going to answer the call of the Lord on our life? Are we willing to take a step of faith? What's the next step of faith? Or, or are we going to hold back? Or are we just going to do, well, I don't want to do that, Lord. I don't want to be a missionary. I'll do this instead. And are we going to walk in disobedience? That's, that's really the question. And each of those little steps brings us to someplace different. It reminds me of Robert Frost's poem. You know it. The two roads. It says, two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler, long I stood. That, that's where we're at this morning. We're, we're all, Lord's given us one more day of life. And I think at the end of our lives, we're going to look back and go, which road did we take? Did we answer the call of the Lord and take a step of faith in that? Or, or were we hesitant? Or we did just not go and follow the Lord's calling. Well, uh, Robert Frost, he actually decides on, on one path, and he takes one step forward, and then another step, and then another step, and another step. So he gets to the conclusion of his poem, and he says this, I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in the yellow woods, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. I, I think... Uh, that's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for my family. Uh, that's my prayer for all of us, that we would be faithful, obedient people who answer the call of the Lord to take another step forward, whatever that means for you in your life. We're going to invite the worship team to come back up in just a minute. Um, but at the beginning of the year, I thought, what a, what a fitting thing for all of us uh, to come during worship time and to receive communion. Uh, communion is a practice that Jesus set up in the Last Supper where he took the bread and he broke it and he says, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat, all of you, in remembrance of me. Uh, his life, Jesus' life, would be a substitute for, for our life. Jesus' death on the cross would be a substitute for our death on the cross. And, and as we come up there, we, we know we're not worthy, <laughs> but he is. And so it's almost as if we take that bread and it touches our lips and we eat it. And he goes, your, your sin's atoned for through the blood and death of Jesus. And, and then after the meal, he took the cup and says, this is the, my blood of the new covenant poured out for many. It gives us, that's the hope. 
that we have. That's the, the strength there and the encouragement that we have to take that next step forward. Not because we're good enough or that you're skilled enough or that any of us are like, oh, yeah, he's got it all figured out. But it's just being willing and available and going, Lord, you've done a work in my life. I want to hear you call, and I want to take the next step forward. Uh, so let me, let me pray, and then uh, worship team, you can just wait right there. And when I'm done praying, then you can come up. How about that? Lord, uh, we want to pause right here at the beginning of 2022. Lord willing, we'll get through another year, another 363 days of step after step after step. And we'll be able to look back just like we've done this last year. And Lord, I pray that as a worshiping community of people who follow you, who want to hear from you, who want our hearts to be changed by you, that we would look back over that year and just be amazed at the journey you've taken us down. Lord, that we would be faithful and obedient to answer your call in our lives to to dig in more, to know you, to know you through your word and through other people, that we would develop relationships, deep relationships, that you'd use the gifts and the talents that you've given each one of us for the building up of the church, for your glory, that we could be a light on the hill here for Damascus and Boring and Gresham and Sandy and Happy Valley. Lord, that when people um, come into contact with any of us, they would see something different because of what you've done in each of our hearts and lives. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, Thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church. Oh,